Hey crew, what's new? How are you? Hey, Coach Matt here. Glad you took a couple of minutes in your busy day while you're traveling or running or biking or doing whatever you're doing. Join me for just a few minutes. A little bit of education for you here, especially if you're considering or you have a new landscape going in or is in, especially this time of year, the summer, the summer season. Yep, you know something? I've kind of I've kind of come to realize it or equate it to having a new baby in the house. You have to treat it like a new baby in the house. Well, you know, not quite as important, obviously, but awfully darn near. We're talking about that crucial 30 to 45 days after install. Whether it is a single tree or a whole damn yard, doting and checking on it every day is the order of the day. Hey, once again, I'm glad you're here. Let's talk about Landscape Parenting 101, shall we? Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me Coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, uh, as a parent of three, I can remember those days, especially child number one. Coming home from the hospital, <laughs> I tell you, I was scared at the whopping age of 23 years old. On so many levels to boot, I hardly slept. I got up only about three times less than my wife at the time every night to check and see the daughter was breathing and sleeping. And that was in addition to when we had to tag team the feeding thingy. I remember when my daughter actually slept through the night the first time for about seven hours straight worth. <laughs> crap i was grateful and then when i realized it petrified at the same time when i realized the whole freaking night then of course that didn't last very long because in a matter of a few weeks and months the teething started and all of that kind of slipped backwards for a while all over again any of you guys go through those first 30 40 days of parenting terror yep we've all done it huh well, not quite on that same level. A new landscape just installed is much like this parent-baby thing. You planned it out most of the time. You allocated the space and resources. <laughs> Again, most of the time. Uh, you make the new landscape happen. You bring it to life one way or another. You've been doing it yourself, rah, 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 or you've had it done. Am I right? Well, then there is the absolutely crucial 30 to 45 days of landscape parenting. If you constructed it yourself, you know all the subtle nuances and all the successes and failures along the way. If you are finishing up this new landscape project this time of year, say like June through mid-September, or at least when the days are long and warm days and warm nights, guys, man, pay attention please. And I have a story to share with you in just a few minutes. Don't go away. Do not just rely on that automated sprinkler system that you so diligently put together. And don't rely on the clouds to gather every single day and give you a 
give you a dose of water. Just because that baby has had a drink does not mean you can just forget about it. Here are a few key things I thought I would share with you to make you aware of and for you to key in on during that establishment period. Let's take a look at them real quick and then we'll really uh, double down on them. Number one is moisture, obviously. New landscapes are gonna need moisture at various levels at various times. Another thing, and you will find out that this is probably numero uno, is settling. Settling of trenches, settling of uh, plant holes with plants in it. I'll talk to you more about that. And because of that number one and number two there, moisture and settling, plant stress. And I'm going to teach you the road to your yard. Weather, of course, and traffic. And I don't necessarily mean street traffic. So let's take a look at these a little deeper and make it kind of crystal clear. Make it sink in just a little bit. Let's talk about moisture. Water, every living thing on this planet needs it in some form or another. In some amount or another. Am I right? But water can also kill how about drowning? How about lack of and dehydration? You know, water is the, the biggest oxymoron that we have going when it comes to our landscape. In my walkthroughs with clients over the years, I stress not to rely just on the irrigation system alone. I really do. I kind of emphasize that that is more for the established landscape after that crucial period. Just because I set the system for a certain number of days per week, certain number of times and duration for it on those days and the amount of water, the landscape itself will still tell the client and will tell you what it wants, more or less of it. And let me, let me forewarn you ahead of time. In the heat of the summer, it will tell you rapidly, and I mean within minutes, of whether it needs more water or Unfortunately, by the time you start seeing signs of too much water, it may be too late. So pay attention and pay attention close. You have to base this on a few factors. And here's a little sub, sub part of moisture. You have to know what kind of soil you got and how does water interact with that soil. If you have a heavy Georgia red clay soil and you've amended the hole really well and you've planted your trees and your plants and your shrubs and your flowers and your lawn and blah, 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 blah. It's all good, but if you set your planting beds, whether it be spray system or drip system, for like a half hour on a spray system and you basically flood it three times a day, well, those holes are gonna become saturated because the water will not perk fast enough. So you have to be very diligent in figuring out where that magic balance is. How much water does it have to go on at what time of day? The other thing is, is the time of year. What time of year are you actually doing this? Now I'm speaking to you in the precipice of summer of 2022. We're just about, we're almost there at June 21, starting the summer solstice. So if you're doing this, say, wherever you live, you're able to do it in March, or you're able to do it in early April or early May. Totally different factors might play into it. I can remember, you know, when I practiced, man, people would uh, hire me and I would get going, say, let's just hypothetically say the, the 1st of April. And I would get going and it would be a one-month job. I would finish that, say, four-week job up. Now we're at the end of April. And in the Central Valley, things could be almost anything at the end of April. I could have an inch and a half of rain or I could have 95-degree temperatures. 
So it was very important to pay attention to the time of year I was doing this and then set the clients on a path of success based on what I saw on a long range forecast and my expertise. The other thing is, is the immediate local environment of your yard and everybody has one. The immediate local environment means exactly where that plant is placed. What is it gonna be like during planting for the next 30 to 45 days? What is it gonna be like come fall, winter, spring? I'll expand on that just a little bit more because it's very important in just a minute. And lastly, the quality of plant material and the level of planting expertise. You know, if you, if you go out and you buy uh, an underrooted plant uh, or and sometimes you won't know unless you actually tip that can over and kind of look at the root ball before you throw the checkbook down you, you have to find the best quality material plant wise for the best dollar and then you have to follow a great planting plan expertise you have to dig those holes you know just slightly deeper than the root ball about one and a half to two times as wide. I always found, some people will follow another path, but I have always found really good success doing a 50-50 mix between native soil, planting mix, organic fertilizer, and just a little bit of mycorrhiza that would go in each hole. And, you know, since my job as a pro was not to have to come back all the time and replace replace plants, I always had pretty good success. I don't ever remember except plant replacing one tree in my entire career. It doesn't mean that something didn't die, but it didn't die in my 45 day window of plant warranty. Let's put it that way. This also applies beyond just the greenscape. This also applies to some new hardscape if you're putting it in. Super hot days following the install of new patios, concrete patios, and concrete walkways will require a good, diligent approach as far as moistening those surfaces and keeping that curing rate mitigated down so that it doesn't cure up super fast and have any expansion and cracking except where it was designed to crack. And let me tell you up front, let me tell you up front, concrete will crack it is going to crack most of the time somewhere. That's why we have expansion joints and cold joints in there. That's why we reinforce with rebar and wire to try to mitigate the cracking as much as possible, but it will happen and only mother nature will tell you where it's gonna happen. We just hope that we can kind of direct her to those joints where to crack. Now, another thing to consider is if you put your landscape in or someone has put it in for you and it was the heat of the day, it was a comfortable 82 degrees. And yet a week later, here comes the heat wave. And now instead of 82, you got 102 and maybe you have 90% humidity. Bigger stresses really come to bear on those plants. Remember what your plants were used to before you came into their lives. Let's take a look at that for a second. They were grown under the most perfect conditions. They really were. Where they were raised, starting from cuttings or seedlings or seed or whatever it was, they were under perfect conditions, just the right amount of sunlight. 
in some cases, maybe even under shade cloth amount of sunlight, just to dampen the direct sundown, just the amount where it grows perfectly, but never tip burns, never, never suffers any sort of burning, no matter what the conditions are outside. Perfect water, maybe even treated water and filtered water for the perfect acidity for those particular plants and constant irrigation supplied doses of fertilizer for the most optimal growing conditions. Now, does that cause those plants to grow faster and mature faster? Absolutely. Then, then it gets pulled and jerked off the table or off the ground, slammed on a trailer, crammed in a truck, transported maybe for 24, 48, 72 hours with no, no additional water, or maybe for 24, 48 or 72 hours or more, and then they land at the retail nursery. Hopefully, they get a good dose of water. However, I have seen plants come off trucks dry as a bone, slapped on pallets, put out in parking lots, and nothing happens to them. Not a darn thing. And there they sit, ready for sale, right? Well, if you think about that, if you think about maybe where they originated and when they came to your town area for sale, maybe totally different conditions than where they were just that few short hours ago. Now imagine you, imagine you in, here we are June of 2022, and someone comes to your house, jerks you with your little, your little tank top and your shorts and your flip flops out by the pool or whatever. They throw you on a truck or a plane. They throw you up to the Arctic Circle and take you out, shove you in a little uh, lean-to cabin. And that's your new area of living. Think you'd go in a little bit of a shock? Uh, yeah, yeah, we would. Or you're thrown down into the, the jungle of the Amazon. And all of a sudden, you were used to, uh, I don't know, South Dakota. And now, it feels like you're in 100% humidity with snakes and spiders and all kinds of things that bite, sting, and scratch. Yeah, it's a different world. Same thing goes with your plants. So, physically checking that ground moisture, especially sod lawn, is critical. Sod can take standing water, believe it or not, for short periods of time, but you certainly don't want or need that much. Some plants, if grouped together correctly, and this goes to plant selection, have very similar water needs. But pairing or mismatching different plants that have totally different needs can make things very challenging during that first 30 to 45 days, especially when you have them on the same water zones. And I'll just give you a, a, a for instance, maybe you have a, a drip zone that waters this side of the yard. And this side of the yard includes creeping manzanita out there by the, the boulders. And then it also waters the hydrangeas and hosta up underneath the, the whatever tree. And it's in kind of a shady condition. And so how do you balance that? How do you, you do it by going out and checking? And if the manzanita is wet, if the manzanita is moist, then maybe you have to drag a hose for a little while and you just have to hand water those water lovers and take care of them manually for right now. Or you can drip irrigate things like that and then have maybe one gallon per hour emitters on the manzanita and three gallon per hour or five gallon per hour drippers on the hydrangea and the water lovers. 
something to think about. Hey, back to lawns for just a minute. I always suggest, although sprinklers are a great way to alleviate watering maintenance time for you, take time to have a hose on standby and hand water those seams and edges for the first week or so, depending on what the weather is, but especially if you're in the middle of a heat wave, you know, after a summer installation. Anyway, moving on just a little bit. Let's talk about time of year. In my humble opinion, and in this order, these times of year work best for new landscapes. Hands down, I think a lot of my colleagues in the green industry will agree with me. Hands down, period, fall is the best season to do landscaping. Followed by mid-spring, winter, if you are living in an area where things can still be done, and then followed up by summer. But again, summer depends on the location. If you're on the coast of Oregon, it might be a heck of a lot different than planting in Phoenix, Arizona or the windy Midwest or wh wherever. So summer is not a, uh, you know, I can't do it type of thing. I have, I have planted many, many a landscape during summer. It's just, you take some precautions. You know, like I told you earlier, new landscapes face enough challenges as it is. Why complicate it with in inattention or lack of skills and poor planning. You learn all that here and anywhere else that teaches you on YouTube or books or anything else. So there's really no excuse. Many times we cannot always pick when these projects are gonna get launched. Maybe if you're doing it through a professional, you have to kind of abide by their schedule, sort of. And maybe if you're doing it by yourself, you have other things, you know, like your vacation time, when you have resources available, when the kids are not in school or whatever it might be, and you have the time to do it. We may have to do a summer install. I know, like I've said, I've done many, many, many of them. If this is your situation, just listen up. It is not certain death of your huge landscape investment. It just requires that closer attention to detail, more daily scrutiny, more eyes on and hands on inspection, and a hose at the ready should it be needed. Hey, here's that quick story I promised you. Many years ago in Tracy, California, I put in a new landscape and upon completion, I did my usual walkthrough with my clients and I gave them detailed instruction as I warned them about the hotter days and the windier days that were ahead. So I told them to keep a close eye on things. Well, the missus kind of looked at me in a very naive way and said, isn't that what the sprinklers are for, coach? And I said, yes. I said, but despite that aid in what the watering chore, physical inspection and being vigilant for the next 30 to 45 days is going to be really important. Well, they didn't tell me anything during this walkthrough. They didn't tell me what their plans were. Well, they decided, and they did not tell me, that they had vacation plans in Fiji for two weeks three days after I left and after the walkthrough was done. Temperature soared as I promised. And we even had some brownouts occur in the Central Valley where power went out, which kind of threw the sprinkler system a little wonky and things became stressed in the new lawn especially. And in some cases, plants died. Well, who do you think got blamed for that? That's right, my phone rang immediately after they returned. And I went out and I looked at it and sure enough, they'd had lost the whole lawn. They had lost two trees and a couple of shrubs. Well, I said, 
what happened? Well, uh, we kind of, you know, went on vacation and we weren't here and we didn't have anybody watching the place or anything else. So needless to say, I did not pay for the, I did not pay for those plants to be replaced. I did replace everything uh, at their cost and we moved forward. But doggone it, that is not the time. You know, you, you bring that new baby home and you tuck it in in the backyard. It's not the time to suddenly rip it out of the cradle and say, hey, we're going to Fiji, let's go. No, that's not it. Otter days just means pay attention, check on it. Twice a day minimum if you're in the middle of a heat wave. And we talked about immediate local environment not too long ago. Everybody has one. Immediate local environment that is, is for instance, a hot reflective heat off of a west wall that you've landscaped. And there is maybe a 90 degree day, but that heat coming off that west wall will be as much as 120 degrees. Big windows, maybe somewhere within the landscape area that has reflection during certain times of day. And we all know what that magnifying glass feeling can be like. Or hot heat absorbing patios that radiate heat out all afternoon into the immediate area, especially if you have like container plants or something on a big patio that you just potted up. Full sun areas in April, but when the neighbor's huge trees next door leaf out, all of a sudden the area becomes almost full shade. And you fail to realize that, oh, maybe I don't need those blah, 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 full sun plants in a full shade area. And now I may have to change my thinking. So immediate local environment can be right within your own yard. So you kind of get the picture on that? Okay, moving on. Here's another one that happened to me as a contractor. Ah. I installed a uh, pretty much a beautiful shade loving garden on the side yard of a client's house a few years ago. And the project turned out great. It, it took a ugly side yard and it really turned into a nice stepping stone path with lights and ferns and, and small Sasanqua camellias. And it really looked good. Well, it was a shady area because of the neighbor's big oak tree. Well, unbeknownst, Six months after my install, that neighbor had to cut the tree down and grind it out because it was lifting their back patio and walkways terribly. So suddenly that beautiful shade garden was now scorched by full sun. And the client called me and said, what am I supposed to do? And I said, well, I, I really don't have an answer for you except we can come back and switch that stuff out to full sun animals. And that's exactly what we did at their cost, of course. So plant selection, water selection, plant compatibility, zone selection. So if you have less water demanding plants on one zone and more water demanding plants on another zone, makes things a little easier. You know, there are a lot of versatile plants out there that can adapt after that crucial 30 or 45 days or so. But some plants can be really finicky and will throw literal tantrums for a whole season or more before they adapt or worst case scenario, give it up and just die on you because they're just not happy and wherever they're at, they're, they're not gonna thrive at all. Let's talk about settling just a bit. Probably one of the single most biggest causes I have ever seen of landscape demise. Taking all the time in the world to plant everything just right only to have plants settle in that hole 
and succumb to crown rot and other forms of plant suffocation. Probably seen this more than anything else on consults and plant death diagnosis. It's really easy to lose sight on it. You know, you, you maybe dig that hole just a little too deep or you dug it deep, but you really didn't firm up that bottom. You really didn't firm it up. So remember to plant so you have a hole maybe just an inch or so deeper than that root ball you're putting in the ground. Or if you do decide to make it a monster hole, you've got to pack the living heck out of that thing on the bottom side so you don't get settling. And like I said before, 50-50 mix with some organic fertilizer and a little mycorrhizae, man, you're off to a good start. But go out there and check. Check at the end of the first week. Check at the end of the the third week and the fourth and the fifth and make sure you're not having a settling in each planting hole because it'll take out a, a $400 tree just as fast as it'll take out a $12 gallon plant, I guarantee you that. So make sure when you plant, you, you actually purposely leave an inch of that root ball sticking up high so that it, it looks like, the, it looks like you, you made a mistake, but you really didn't. And then when you do mulch with whatever you mulch, I'm, I'm going to say an organic mulch, a, a bark chip or pine straw or whatever, don't mulch right up to the trunk of the tree. Leave it, leave it open just a little bit, you know, and make sure that your drip emitters, they don't go right on the trunk of the tree. They're out there in the root ball area, you know, and on opposite sides. All right, let's talk about traffic. If at all possible, refrain from having foot or animal traffic throughout the area for the first 30 days or so. Traffic on the lawn, whether it be kids or mowers or whatever, they can really, you know, with that, that soft sod bed or seed bed under there, you can really leave some really disgusting imprints that are not gonna go away. Now you can get out there and try to correct it uh, if it happens right at the get-go, but as things start rooting in, it becomes harder and harder to go out there and tamp those things back. Another thing is, is before your first mowing of that new lawn, taper the water off for the previous 48 hours. By the time you get into two weeks, you should have some good rooting going on if you put in sod. If you put in seed, depending on where you're at and what kind of seed it was and what temperatures you had during the, the first couple of weeks, you're not gonna be mowing right away. You may have six weeks before you actually mow or even later. So, but let that, that turf bed firm up a little bit before you take the mower out and start rolling it across. It'll really reduce the ruts and tire marks and stuff. I have seen, and this is no slam against dog owners, but I have seen doggos literally destroy, destroy multi-thousand dollar landscapes because they're unattended during the daytime right after the landscape was put in. People got to go to work, but they figure, hey, you know, Fido's part of the family. He needs to be outside. He needs to do his business and, you know, but I have seen neurotic animals destroy sprinkler heads, destroy uh, risers, the Schedule 80 gray risers with shrub heads on top. I've seen them dig up plants. I've seen them pull 15 gallon trees out of the ground and knock them over just because it's new and something to do because they don't have any attention during the daytime. So be careful. The other thing is, is, you know, peeing and pooping on new lawns, it not only leaves ruts and paw marks and everything else in the brand new lawn, 
but it'll kill and uh, stain up and make a mess. And then you have to go out and walk on the new lawn to pick up the poop. At least I hope you do. Also, it's really not the time for the big backyard bash to celebrate that new landscape. And placing, uh, another thing is like placing an inflatable pool on the lawn for the kiddos to play in. Nope, nope, nope. It can burn a brand new lawn on a, on a warm day in less than two hours. You won't see it right away, but you'll probably see it the next day. Especially if it's a hot day out, it's filled with water, there's huge contact on that, that new turf grass. Yep, during the high sun, it's like a magnifying glass. Things to think about, things to consider, after such a huge investment you are making and the time and effort you put into it, don't you want to have a successful project and not one that just kind of limps along with this and that going wrong all the time? Or worse, you end up replacing plants or lawn because of inattention or bad decisions? Treat that first 30 to 45 days like it's a new baby in the house. And every day you're checking it maybe twice, three. I have had clients check four to six times a day, moistening down patios to mitigate cracking, going out there and checking all the sod seams and edges. They really paid attention and they were the ones that never called me back except to say, hey, thanks, good job. So that new baby in the house, it will get off and running in that, that establishment time period of 30 to 45 days. You know, if you got to do it in the summer, do it. Don't, don't hesitate. If this is when you have the, the contractor, if this is when you've decided to do it, knock it out of the park. Just pay a little extra attention to some of those, some of those issues. Hey, that's what I have for you today. You know, I'd love for you to come over and join me on the YouTube channel. We always have a little more photographic entertainment when it comes to uh, the channel and you have the ability to drop me a comment. You can always email me at youryardcoach at gmail.com if you guys have questions regarding this or any other landscape type of question. Don't forget to visit my website. I would really appreciate your support. I really would. Hey, this is Coach Matt saying goodbye for now. As always to your landscape success, thank you for listening and I will catch you guys next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.